Let's all stand, if you would, please. And let's have all the men that will come, and let's just gather around the altar, and let's take this service to the Lord. This Sunday's always a special Sunday because it's the day that we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that he rose again the third day. Aren't you glad we have a living Savior today? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we have come to worship today. We have come to worship you for what you are, for what you have done. Father, our hearts this morning are filled with the glory of the fact that you rose again from the dead. And we thank you for that. We realize today, Lord, that every person in this room, Lord, that has the assurance of their salvation, it is due to the fact that you rose again from the dead, that you died for us and rose again. For these things, we worship you today. I pray the Holy Spirit now would take absolute charge of this service and everything about this service and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Touch every heart. Meet every need. You know every heart. You know the need in that heart. Meet those needs today. Magnify yourself now in everything that is said and done. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. The little chorus, Because He Lives. Let's all together now. Because He Lives, I can turn around and shake hands and fellowship with one another. Let our visitors know how glad we are to have
That set of ushers come forward to receive our offering. It is a joy to have all of you that are visiting with us today. And if you are visiting, we'd appreciate so much if you take just a moment to fill out a visitor's card. If you were given a bulletin as you came in this morning, there's a little uh, visitor's card there you can tear out. If not, they're located in the back of the pews, but we'd appreciate so much if you'd fill one out. And we'd like to send you some information this week about the church. Good to see several of your family members with you today and friends and we are certainly thrilled about all of you been here we've got some of our family with us today sherry's dad and her sister and sherry's brother-in-law's with us today amen won't you folks stand let's welcome them to the service we're glad to have them today thank you for coming been a real blessing this week to have our family in and we've enjoyed having them all down. Let's pray and you give and the Lord bless you for your giving. Father, thank you again for the blessing of knowing you. And Father, may our giving reflect how much we are grateful for what you've done. Bless the offering now. Continue to open our hearts up to what you have for us in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.
It's not conservative or liberal, however they're defined. It's not about interpretation or the judgment of the mind. It's the opposite of politics, power or prestige. It's about a simple message. And whether we believe it's still the cross, it's still the blood of Calvary that cleanses sin and sets the captive free, it's still the the gospel all the truth contained within it's still the cross still the blood of calvary that cleanses sin and sets the captive free it's still the
Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And today we're lifting up Jesus Christ, that all men may be drawn unto him. High and lifted up is Jesus Christ this morning. Yeah. 
I just about jumped up. Amen. That great. What a blessing. Take your Bible and be finding the book of Proverbs 11, Proverbs chapter 25, and I'll point you to a proverb in just a moment. If you enjoyed the good music this morning, you don't want to miss tonight. The choir has their special program planned for the evening service, so you don't want to miss tonight. You want to be here at 6.30, and, and we're devoting the entire service to the music tonight, so you don't want to miss tonight. That would be a real blessing, and, and I enjoy it. Thank, I appreciate all of our folks that sing and practice and work and Rick and all, and uh, we're blessed. And I, just music, good music opens the heart and helps you to appreciate wonderful truths of the Lord. So don't miss tonight. Also, I do want to take a moment and mention now a special Sunday that's coming up the third Sunday of May. It's our chest of Joash offering. I know what some of you are thinking. Preacher, surely you're not going to say something about giving on Easter Sunday. Well, I'm a preacher, ain't I? I got to, amen. Uh, the third Sunday of May is a, always a special Sunday around here. I was thinking about this morning. It's, I think it's five years ago today, four years ago, five years ago today that we dedicated this auditorium when we completely remodeled it. And, of course, someone was very kind to us and gave us a large gift. And then through our chest of Joash, we were able to do all the things that we did in here. And every year we've done something inside or outside, alternated through the years. But uh, this year we are completely redoing the whole front of the auditorium or the main entrance to the auditorium. We are extending the whole back. We're going to be adding restrooms on either side and double the size of our lobby. It is really going to look good. Met the contractors this week and we were looking at little details and things. And it is going to be very nice. And then, of course, on this side, we'll have the awnings and the drive through So if it's raining or something, you'll be able to have access to all of our facilities without getting in the weather. So all of that, we'll take a special offering on the third Sunday of May, our Chest of Joash offering. So I want many of you to be praying about a special gift. Our needs will be larger this year than any before. It's going to run us somewhere in the neighborhood about $120,000, but uh, we know God is going to provide. So you think about that and pray about it. And uh, truth is, we'll take a gift anytime you want to give it. Say amen. But uh, remember that day. For you that have been here on a regular basis, you know that for the past several weeks I have been looking in Proverbs and I have been sharing with you what I call the good things of Proverbs. There are many things in Proverbs that are defined as being good. We have looked at some of them. And there's one that I want us to look at this morning that I think is very fitting for this particular Sunday. Of course, it's been Easter Sunday as we celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And there is one in Proverbs 25 I think is very fitting for today. But I want you to stand as we honor the reading of His Word. Proverbs chapter 11 in verse 23 has become somewhat of a theme for us as we have looked at these good things in Proverbs. Proverbs 11:23. the Bible said, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Solomon said that one of the things that a righteous person desires is that which is good. In fact, he's very specific. The desire of the righteous is only good. A righteous man only wants to do what is right. A righteous man only wants to do what is good. 
Solomon tells us that a righteous man desires that which is only good. And it's almost like as you read the book of Proverbs that he not only tells us that a righteous desires good things, but he lists many of the good things that a righteous man desires. Chapter 25, verse 25, notice the scripture. Here is another one of the good things. We have thought about a good man. Chapter 2, verse 20 talks about the path of a good man. We thought about a good name. Proverbs 22, 1 talks about the worth and the value of a good name. We thought about a good path. Proverbs 2, 9 talks about understanding the good path. But Proverbs 25, 25, we find the good news. The Bible said, As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Thank you. you. may be seated. And I want us to think today about the good news. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning as we have gathered here, we are thankful, Lord, that you are high and lifted up. We are grateful, Lord, that you have been lifted up in this service. Lord, we thank you for the truth of God that has been communicated by song, truth to magnify and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. We ask you now, Lord, that as we open the Word of God, that the Spirit of God now would take absolute control of everything that is said, take absolute control of everything that is done. Many, many years ago that I came to know you and I heard the good news. I pray today that you'll do in someone's heart what you did in my heart many years ago. I pray today that you'll bring people to the Lord Jesus and whatever their needs are, help them to realize today that that need is met and will only be met in the Lord Jesus Christ. So speak to us now and we'll thank you and praise you for it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things, amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> when I think about the matter of news, I think of a letter that a grandson received from his grandparents they sent him a note and a letter. They just wanted to kind of bring him up to breast with how things were going on around the home place, bring him up on the latest news. But this is the letter that this grandson got from his grandparents. They said, dear grandson, we're writing this slow because we know you can't read fast. I think some of us got few relatives like that, amen? But he said, we are writing this slow because we know that you can't read fast. We don't live where we did when you left. We read in the paper where most accidents happen within 20 miles of home, so we moved. But this place has a washing machine. The first day I put four shirts in it, I pulled the chain and haven't seen them since. <clears throat> it only rained twice this week, three days the first time, four days the second time. The coat you wanted me to send you, your Aunt Sue said it would be too heavy to send in the mail with the big heavy buttons, so we cut them off and we put them in the pockets. He said, your Uncle John fell into the whiskey vat. Some men tried to pull him out, but he fought them off playfully and drowned. We cremated him and he burned for three days. Three of your friends went off the bridge in a pickup. One was driving, the other two were in the back. The driver got out, he rolled down the window and swam to safety. The other two drowned because they couldn't get the tailgate down. Can I get an amen right there? 
There's not much more news at this time. Nothing much has happened, but we'll write more later. Love your grandparents. And then it had a P.S. We were going to send you some money, but we already had this seal. Well, I want to say to you this morning, I don't know if you'd call that good news, bad news, or no news. I don't know what kind of news you'd classify that in. But I think about good news and bad news. I read about a farmer that went to his banker, and he said to him, he said, I have got bad news, and I have got good news. He said, the bad news is I'll not be able to make my mortgage payments. And that crop loan that I've taken out for the past 10 years, I can't pay that either. And not only that, I won't be able to pay you the couple of hundred thousand that I still have outstanding on my tractors and my equipment. So I'm going to have to give up the farm. I'm going to turn it all over to you for whatever you can salvage out of it. Well, the banker sat there for a moment and he was silent and finally looked at me and said, well, what's the good news? He said, the good news is I'm going to keep on banking with you. Well, <laughs> good news, bad news. Solomon in a proverb talks about good news. As I mentioned, over the past several weeks, we have been looking at some of the good things of Proverbs. Again, chapter 2, verse 20, talks about a good man. Chapter, or Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, talks about a good name. And last Sunday morning, we thought about a good path. But in Proverbs 25, 25, it talks about good news. As I have thought about this proverb this week, I have thought of it in several ways. For one thing, the proverb is literally true. It is refreshing to get news from someone that is separated from you by great distance. In our day and time, we have the luxury of being able to pick up a telephone and call someone and talk to them just about every day. But many years ago, and especially in biblical days, you didn't have a telephone, and so everything had to be carried by hand or by mail in some fashion or form. And so in those days, it was not quite as convenient to talk to friends and loved ones that lived a great way off. And so Solomon had in mind, no doubt, someone receiving news from a far country, and he compared it to cold waters to a thirsty soul. As I thought about the proverb, I tried to maybe imagine what Solomon had in mind, and the image that kept coming to my mind as I thought about the proverb was of a wife that had a husband off in war. Solomon talked about good news from a far country and maybe had in mind some of his soldiers and their family back home, but I thought about a wife and her husband that was away in war, hundreds and hundreds of miles away on foreign soil, fighting for his country. And I thought about this wife, how that every morning when she got up, she thought about her husband. Is he doing all right? Is he well? Is he safe? All through the day, that husband was on that wife's mind. As she lay down at night, she'd lay in bed and think about, I wonder where he is now. I wonder if he's all right. I wonder if he's safe and whatever. And I think about it, maybe weeks have gone by and she hasn't heard anything and she begins to get anxious and somewhat apprehensive. And one day she walks to the mailbox and she opens it and there's a letter. And in the left-hand corner of that letter is her husband's name. And I can see her as she hastily opens that letter and she reads every word tearfully and joyfully. And then when she finally finishes the letter, she pulls that letter up to her breast and looks up toward heaven and says, Thank God he's all right. Thank God he's safe. Good news from a far country. It is refreshing like cold waters to a thirsty soul to get good news from a far country. But the proverb is not only literally true, but the proverb is also spiritually true. You see, there's good news that I have to share with you today. It is good news that comes from a far country. 
It is good news in a world that is blighted with bad news. And almost every day as we pick up our newspaper, the headlines report something that is bad. But I've got good news for you this morning, good news that has come from a long distance. And as I think about the matter of good news this morning, it is in a spiritual way that I want to approach it. And I want to approach it as good news in a spiritual context in light of a word that is found in the New Testament that also speaks of good news. I think of three things as I look at the text. I point them out to you this morning. The first thing that I think of is the benefactor of the good news. Again, Solomon talks about good news. He's not talking about distressing news. It is not depressing news. It is not disturbing news. It is not discouraging news. But Solomon is talking about grand news, great news, glorious news. He describes it as good news. It is news that is exciting. It is news that is enjoyable. It is benefiting news. It is news that has been received, good news. But I remind you that it's good news that has been sent by someone. There is a benefactor behind this good news. I think about the motto of the New York Times. It's been their motto for a number of years, printing all news that is fit to print. Well, here is news that somebody felt was fit to print, fit to publish, and fit to proclaim. And here is news that somebody somewhere felt that somebody else needed to hear. There's a benefactor behind this good news. The word news that you find in our text here is a word that simply means an announcement. It is a wonderful announcement. And again, somewhere, somebody felt that somebody needed to know about this announcement. And they needed to know about this news. So it was news sent from somebody in a far country to somebody they felt needed to hear the news. Well, I want to remind you this morning that we have received good news from a far country. It is good news from a heavenly country, if I can put it that way. What I'm talking about is good news that has been sent to us from God. I think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 1 through 4, a very familiar text. You might turn there, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1, Paul says, My brethren, he said, I declare unto you the gospel said in verse 1, chapter 15, in verse 1, more of a brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which I also have received and wherein you stand, and by which also you are saved. Paul said, I have the gospel. He said, there is something that I want to tell you about. It's something that I received. It is something that I want you to know about. And it is something that I was saved by and something that you were saved by. He calls it the gospel. What is he called the gospel? Verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul said, Now this is the message that I received. This is the message that I want to declare unto you that Christ died, that he was buried, and that he rose the third day according to the Scriptures. He said in verse 1, I declare unto you the gospel. The word gospel, as found in verse 1 as well in many other places in the Bible, is a word that simply means good news. Paul said, I have some good news to share with you. It is the good news that Christ died. It is the good news that he was buried. It is the good news that he rose again from the dead. Now, that is the good news that has been sent to us by God. What is this good news? Well, let me just point out two things. 
It is the announcement, one, of a loving Savior. What did Paul say the gospel was? He said, Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. I want to say to you this morning that the greatest act of love known to man is Christ dying for our sins. It was love that took Jesus to the cross. It was love that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was love that took Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. You see, Calvary is an act of love that shows that God so loved the world that he was willing to give his only begotten son. Paul said in Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for our sins. You see, the greatest act of love this world has ever known is Christ dying for our sins. Calvary was an act of God's love. Now, I think about the cross. Jesus was not the only person that ever died on the cross. Many people have died on the cross. Throughout history, you'll find that many died a cruel death by crucifixion. I think about during the siege of Babylon, Darius condemned over 3,000 criminals of war to death by crucifying them on a cross. Alexander inflicted vengeance on Tyre by crucifying over 2,000 prisoners. And when Titus overthrew Jerusalem in A.D. 70, plundering the temple and burning the city to the ground, one spectator said that wood was wanting for crosses. He literally crucified thousands and thousands of Jews. But I think about Jesus dying on the cross. It was not an act of war. It was an act of love. You see, when Jesus died, it was a display of God's love, as I said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, the message that we have today and the good news that I share with you today is that we have a loving Savior that Jesus Christ loves me, that Jesus Christ loves you, that Jesus Christ loves everyone in this room. It is the message of Christ dying, an act of God's love. I think about a statue in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. It's a life-size marble statue of Christ writhing in ag anguish on the cross. But the subscription on that statue simply said, this is how God loved the world. How do I know that God loves me? How do I know that God loves you? How do I know that God loves the world? The cross, Christ dying for our sins, is the demonstration and the defining of God's love for all mankind. God loves us, and it was proved by Calvary. You recognize the name Helen Keller? She was blind and deaf from 19 months old. But her mother once lamented, if I said it once, I said it a thousand times. Helen, if there was only some way for me to let you know how much I really love you. And when I think about God's love, you know how much he really loves us and how he knows or how he shows how much he really loves us? Look at the cross. There is the proof of God's love. Don't look at the size of your house. Don't look at how many cars you have in the driveway. Don't look at your health. That's not the proof of God's love. The proof of God's love is that Christ died for our sins. Augustine was right when he said, God loves everyone as though there were but one of us to love. Here is the good news that has come from a far country that we have a loving Savior. But second of all, it is not only good news that we have a loving Savior, but good news that we have a living Savior. Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel 
I declare unto you the good news, news that's come from God, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to his Scriptures. Here's the good news this morning. Listen to me. Here's the good news that I have to offer you. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Here's the good news. Christ died for our sins. But here's the good news. Christ was buried, but he rose again the third day. That's the good news. Jesus testified, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death. The songwriter said it well. Death cannot keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. And up. From the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. That's the good news. I think about a couple of years ago, the USA Weekend Magazine's a little paper that comes out in some of the Sunday editions of the paper. They carried a full-page ad by Teleflora on the Sunday just before Easter. And it's a picture of a beautiful flower arrangement with a Peter Rabbit base. And the headline of the ad read, It wouldn't be Easter without it. And when I read that, I thought, Right headline, but the wrong hymn. You see, Easter has nothing to do with Peter Rabbit. What we celebrate today is this. We celebrate that God has sent us good news. I declare unto you the gospel. And the gospel is that Christ died for our sins. But glory be to God, he rose again on the third day. That's what Easter's all about. I think about the grave, the death, and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The pyramids of Egypt, they're famous because they contain the mummified bodies of ancient Egyptian kings. Westminster Abbey in London is is renowned because in it rests the bodies of English nobles and notables. Mohammed's tomb is noted for the stone coffin and the bones that contain, is contained there. Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C. is revered for it is the honored resting place of many outstanding Americans. But there's a great difference in all of those places that I have just mentioned than in the tomb of Jesus Christ. Literally thousands travel to these other places to see what is there. But the reason people go to the garden tomb is not to see who is there or what is there, but to see what is not there. Here is the good news today. Christ died. He is a loving Savior. Here is the good news today. He rose again. He's a living Savior. It is as cold waters to a thirsty soul. Good news from a far country. The gospel, the good news of a loving and a living Savior. That is the news that God has sent to us today. But I hasten on to a second thing. There is not only the benefactor of the good news, somebody has sent good news from a far country, but the blessing of the good news. Again, Proverbs 25, 25. As cold waters to a thirsty soul. So is good news from a far country. You remember in the very beginning we talked about the kind of proverbs that you have. Some of them are instructional, some of them are poetic and whatever, but some of them are comparative proverbs. And this is one of those comparative proverbs. Here is one truth, and there's something said against it to compare it to, to demonstrate the value and the blessing of this particular truth. 
And he talks about good news from a far country. And he reveals the blessing of the good news by comparing it to cold waters to a thirsty soul in verse 25. In other words, what cold waters to a thirsty part soul would be is what the good news means to our hearts today. What does the good news mean to us? Let me point out two things suggested by the statement. For one thing, there is the desire of the soul. Again, cold waters to a thirsty soul. He's somebody's got a thirsty soul. And again, the image I get in my mind here is someone in a dry, arid place, a desert. They're thirsty. Water is scarce. And they're wanting water and their throat is dry. Their throat is parched. They are thirsty. There is a craving there. There's a longing for water. This thirsting of the soul described by the proverb reminds us that in the heart of every person there is a longing. And it reminds us how there's a craving in the heart of every person. A craving that is really a thirst for inner peace. A craving that is a thirst for contentment. A craving that is a thirst for joy. It's like C.S. Lewis in Pilgrim's Regress. He described joy as a longing for an unnamed something which pierces us like a sword. This world is a thirsty world and every individual in this world has a thirst in their heart. They may not be able to put their finger on what that thirst is. Like Lewis would say, an unnamed something in their heart that pierces the soul. But yet in their heart they know that there's something missing there and they long for something better. They long to really be happy. They long to have real inward peace. They long to have real joy and real satisfaction. There's a thirst there. It's a thirst in the heart of every man, every person in this room. You were born with a thirst. In fact, I, in my opinion, it is a thirst that God put in your heart to ultimately bring you to himself. But you were born with a craving in your heart. You want to be loved. You want to be happy. You want to have joy. You want to really do in life and having life what really makes you happy. There is a longing there. But here's what happens many times we look to the wrong things to satisfy this craving. What we often do is we drink of ocean water rather than the cold water described by Proverbs. We turn to seawater, we turn to salt water. As you know, ocean, ocean water contains seven times more salt than the human body can safely ingest. And drinking it, a person dehydrates because the kidneys demand extra water to flush the overload of salt. And the more salt water that a person drinks, the thirstier that he gets. And a person may be in an ocean, all around him is gallons and gallons and miles and miles of water, and they can drink of that water, but the more they drink of that water, the thirstier they get. And this old world thirsts for things and they look at, look at things that looks like exactly what they want, but they don't realize that it's precisely the opposite of what they really need. And the more they drink, the thirstier they get. It's like someone said, Sheldon Van Nuken, he wrote, he said, but then we fix that sweet and poignant longing for joy upon some earthly object. We shall, as we believe, find that joy if we can only climb the blue mountain or find the blue flower or win the love of some particular lady in blue or sail beyond the blue horizon and our schooners are on newfound land. He says, secretly, we are all perhaps the questing knight. And yet, whatever the object of our quest, we learn that when we find it, that it does not ever contain the joy that broke our heart with longing in the very beginning. 
And we often drink of the ocean water of power thinking that if I could be this individual then I would really be happy in life, but yet the ocean water of power doesn't quench the thirst. It only makes one thirstier. We often drink of popularity. We grow up in life and we're not all that popular and there are those that are popular and they get all the attention, get all the recognition. They're the ones that everybody talks about, the ones everybody wants to date or be with like that. And we think, if I could only be popular, then I would really be happy. But they drink of the ocean of popularity and that doesn't satisfy. They drink of the ocean of possessions thinking that if I had this, if I had this much money in the bank, if I owned all of these things, then I would really be a happy man. The millionaire Jay Gould said, I suppose I'm the most miserable man in the world. He had those things. He had drank of that water, but he was still thirsty. We drank of the ocean of pleasure, thinking if I could do this way or if I could live this way, if I could do this, and, and if I could throw off me all restraints, all restraints of my childhood and all restraints of the church and all restraints of all these old things and teachings and whatever and just live my life and do this and do that and try this and try that and, 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 and this pleasure and that pleasure and this sin and this sin and whatever, then I will really be happy. But everyone knows that it's like drinking salt water. You drink of your possessions, you drink of your popularity, you drink of your power, you drink of your pleasure, and when it's all said and done, you are still thirstier, thirsty and you're thirstier than ever before. There is a long and a thirsty soul that Solomon described, the desire of the soul. It is that desire that drives people for, to do what they do. It is that longing within people that drives them to go down this path as we thought about last Sunday morning, or go down this path. It is a longing to be accepted, a longing to be happy, a longing to be content, a longing to really be satisfied, a thirsty soul. But you look at something else suggested by the statement, not only the desire of the soul, but the drink for the soul. For you notice here that Solomon talks about good news, and he said good news is like a drink of cold water to a thirsty soul. It's like Solomon says, there is a thirst there, but that thirst is quenched by the cold drink that one takes. What is that cold drink? It is the good news that Solomon says. I want to tell you something this morning. You listen to me carefully. You can drink of power and you can drink of possessions. You can drink of popularity. You can drink of pleasure, but it's like drinking of salt water. The only drink that will ever satisfy your soul is drinking of the good news. It is taking that drink that God gives. It's like in John 4, Jesus sat down on a well and he began to talk with a woman with a thirsty soul. She had lived this way and lived with this one and tried this and tried that, but still she was thirsty. But Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again pointing to the water in the well, pointing to the water of this world. But he said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst you know what Jesus was saying to her? He said, I can give you a drink and you'll never be thirsty again. You listen to me. I promise you by experience this morning, I promise you by experience that the only water that will ever satisfy your soul is coming to he that loved you and died for your sins and rose again the third day. That is the only way you'll ever really be happy. It's the only way you'll ever really be content. It is the only satisfaction you'll ever find in your heart.
It's like cold water to a thirsty soul. There are people in this room today, a lot of times visitors will come to church and they'll think, all those good people over there, but you don't realize the stories behind the lives sitting in this room. You don't realize the lives that were lived by some of the people in this room. You see them as they sing and bless your heart. You hear them as they teach a Sunday school class. You hear them as they testify. You see them as they work in the church and you think, what a great person that is. But if you only knew the story of how one day there was nothing but an old drunk, how one day they lived in sin and was mean as a devil himself, and how their lives were ruined and broken and destroyed by sin. But one day they took a drink of water, living water, of a Savior that died and rose again. That's what makes a difference. It is the only drink that will ever satisfy your soul. And this room is full of those who have drank of that water that has left them never thirsty again. My own life is on Easter Sunday. In 1972, on a Sunday much like this, when I walked into the old Boone Gospel Tabernacle, Easter Sunday was a Sunday like all Easter's when families went to church together. And that Sunday morning, I remember hearing somebody tell me about some good news that had been sent from a far country. They told me that Christ died for my sins according to Scripture. They told me that he was buried, but on the third day he arose again from the dead according to the Scriptures. And they told me that good news, and down the altar I went and took a drink of a water that is left. It satisfied my soul. I have never been thirsty again. I promise you the only drink, the only drink that will satisfy you is that of cold waters to a thirsty soul, the good news from a far country. Can you testify that? Say amen. It's a blessing of the good news. God has sent us good news. And the good news is that the longing of your heart can be satisfied. I point to a third and a final thing. There's a benefactor of good news. Somebody sent the news. There is a blessing of the news. It is as cold waters to a thirsty soul, but the bearer of the good news. You see, it's news that a benefactor, a benefactor is behind this good news. Somebody somewhere felt that somebody needed to know about it. And so they sent them good news. But somebody had to bear that good news. Somebody had to deliver that good news. Somebody traveled miles upon miles upon miles to let somebody know the good news. I want you to listen to me today. God has sent us good news, and God wants everybody to know the good news. God wants everybody in this world to know the good news of the gospel, that Christ died that he was buried and he rose again. God wants everybody to know how has he sent, how does he send his good news? Well, first of all, he sends it by the printed word of God. You see this book I got in my hands this morning, this is called the Bible. Do you know what it is? It is God's blessed word. You know what this book tells me? I love this Bible. I have given the biggest part of my life, over half of my life, to every day I've read something out of this Bible. And I've given my life to try to understand what this Bible says. And given my life to try to help other people to understand what this Bible says. This Bible is special. In fact, I think about Percy Ray told about a fella in some little community, I believe it was down in Mississippi somewhere, a small community, had one little old church, and, and it finally died out, and they closed the church down, boarded the windows up. There's one little old fella in the community there. He wasn't the smartest fella in the world, but he would go over and pull one of the boards back and climb in the window and go in the church. 
some of them in the neighborhood noticed him slipping in the church, and so they went over to find out what he was doing, and so they saw him climb through the window into that church building, and so they slipped up and looked in, and there he was on his knees in the altar of that church, and he had his Bible, and he's kissing the pages of the Bible, and he said, me Bible, I love me Bible, I love me Bible, I love me Bible so much. And they sat there and watched him. He said, I love my Bible so much because my Bible tell me about Jesus. My Bible tell me about Jesus. You know why this book is so special today? You know what this book is? You know what this book is? And it's God sending you good news. And it's God saying to you today that you don't have to go to hell. And it's God telling you that he so loved you that he gave his son and he's telling you that Christ died for your sins and that he was buried, but he rose again, that you might have life. It is the good news. It's the most unique book in the world. It contains 3,566,480 letters, 810,677 words, 31,175 verses, 1,189 chapters, 66 books. But every letter, every word, every verse, every chapter, every book has one grand thing. I declare unto you the gospel, the good news that Christ died for our sins, but he rose again the third day. God sends you good news through the printed Word of God. You know how God sends you good news? Through the preached Word of God. I heard about one preacher. He preached, he did well in his sermon, but he was a little long, a little long-winded. And after service, he was, he was eating lunch with his wife, fishing around for a compliment. And he said, well, what did you think of the sermon? And she said, well... It wasn't bad, but you did miss several opportunities to sit down. Well, I want to confess to you this morning that preachers, I confess preachers can be long-winded. I confess I'm guilty. But sometimes you can't help but be long-winded when you've got such a wonderful story to tell. When you've got such good news to tell. Good news for those whose heart longs for something that is real. For those whose heart craves and aches for a drink of water that'll satisfy them. I can't help but sometimes be a little long-winded when I've got such a wonderful message and such a wonderful announcement to let everybody know that you don't have to go to hell, you don't have to thirst anymore, but you'd have life and have it more abundantly. It is good news. I think of Charles Fuller. He told the story of a thief that broke into a Buffalo, New York church, stole a lot of valuable equipment, even some money that was in a contribution box. And the next day on the church sign, this is the message they put on there. If the person who burglarized this church will contact the pastor, he'll receive good news. Well, the reporter saw that on the sign, and so they called the pastor to find out what the good news was, and he said, this is what he said, this is the good news. If you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I want to say to you, this is the good news. This is the good news. Sin is a heavy burden. You know that. There is no burden like the burden of sin. And there is no burden like the burden of guilt. And there is no heavier load to carry than the load of not knowing and being uncertain. But here, here is the good news that God will forgive you of sin. God will give, cleanse you of sin. God will make you a new creature. God will give you eternal life. That's the good news. I think about a story I read some time ago 
I give you this in closing. It's about a golfer from Argentina by the name of Robert D. Vincencio. Robert D. Vincencio. Vincencio was not one of the greatest golfers that ever played. He's not one of the most well-known golfers that ever played. Some of you may recognize the name. Some of you probably never even heard the name. He was not the most successful golfer that ever played. But he did surprise everybody one time by winning a tournament. And on the 18th green, they presented him a check for several thousand dollars for winning the tournament. Afterwards, he was walking through the parking lot going to his car when this little lady walked up to him. And she said, it's a good day for you, isn't it? He said, yes, it is. It is a very good day for me. And she said, I wish it was a good day for me. She said, I have a baby with an incurable disease. It's a blood disease. And the doctor says, the baby will die. I hope you're having a good day. And Davincio stood there for a moment and thought about it. And then he did a very unusual thing. He reached in his pocket and took out the check that had been given to him on the 18th green. And he signed it over to the woman and gave it to her. And he says, make some good days for your baby. About a week later, he was sitting at a table when one of the PGA officials approached him and said, some of the boys told me you were met by a woman after you won the tournament. He said, that's right. And he said, I have some news for you. She's a phony. She does not have a sick baby. The golfer looked up and he said, you mean there is no baby dying without any hope? And the PGA official said, no baby. And he smiled and he said, that's the best news I've had all week. I want to say to you today, the best news I've ever heard is that you don't have to die. The best news I've heard this week, the best news I've heard this morning, the best news I've ever heard in my life, that nobody has to die without hope. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.